she what she actually needs is a screwdriver and this leads to amethyst ow ow hold on a second i just stepped on something incredibly sharp oh my god oh no <laughs> there's a sewing needle in my floor oh no Whoa. <laughs> ow <laughs> Ow. <laughs> Why is there a sewing needle at my computer? Anyways. <sighs> Big sigh. Yeah. Uh, she instead begins to tell Stephen how Ruby... Pardon me. Sorry, I got the hiccups. Give me one second. Something's gonna happen through in every one of these fucking <laughs> things. Tuning into Gay Space Rocks, a Steven Universe watching podcast where we watch Steven Universe. My name is Brian. I use he, him pronouns. And you can find me on the internet at RoomwarePod. And you can find the podcast on Twitter at Gay Space Pod with me as always. Oh, I had something I was going to tell I was going to say you were today. It's August. Hello. I am August. I am many things. Um, you can just like take your pick. It's probably accurate. Um, you can find me on the internet at Harpydora on Twitter, um, and my pronouns are they, them. And with us today is a special guest, uh, professional wrestler, that 90s chick, the Technicolor Technico, Erica Page. Oh my goodness, hello! (laughs) (laughs) The, um, (laughs) the, uh... The Twitter, uh, the Twitter name is actually a, um, a good spoof on on um, on my my affinity for pee poo jokes. <laughs> nice. So normally you would say Erica Lee, but then oh, I Erica, put a, oh I'm sorry. No, it's I okay. read the Twitter and I don't know what I was thinking. I know that's wrong. In this, fact, I just had it pulled up as like a as a backup. <laughs> no, it's it's actually brilliant because. Um, I didn't know if that joke would read, and clearly it does not. So that's great feedback for me. I get it. It's 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 supposed to be like yeah, it's supposed to be P, right? P. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Not great anyway. <laughs> I just was like, my brain just said like read it, and I knew that was wrong because I <laughs> looked up a number of your matches, but <laughs> but yeah. Well, Erica P. Hi, it's Erica. (laughs) (laughs) Whichever way you want to say it. Hi, I'm here. (laughs) Uh, Erica is joining us this week to talk about Steven Universe. Erica is going to be on uh, Solid Gold 21 put on by Paris's Bumping. Uh, Our podcasting guild is sponsoring the match that Erica is in. And so we wanted to get Erica on here to talk about Obviously, the most wrestling-related thing that we have on on the entire uh, our, our entire group, which is our show, somehow. <laughs> hey, the Purple Puma and uh, Tiger Millionaire have the tag team belts in Beach City, so obviously, uh, you know we're wrestling-related. 
It's true. Yeah, I think I think wrestling and Steven Universe have a ton in common. Um, very misunderstood from the outside. A lot deeper stories, messages, and and lessons to be learned than than people realize or give it credit for. Lots of similarities. Right. Get a bad rep for their fandom when it's not really that. When there's a lot of people who like it, and it's not just those people. <laughs> I actually don't know a ton about Steven Universe fandom, so you'll have to expand on that, maybe. Nah, it's okay. You don't need to. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, Uh, we don't have to. Who wants to talk about fandoms anyway? uh, So, Erica, do you want to talk about any, uh, like, if you have any upcoming matches, or do you want to talk about... So, what is is the beef here uh, that's going on? Because I know you guys are going up against the Better Business Bureau, so what's, what's the beef? The Best Business Bureau is a faction um, headed up by Darius Carter, and his underlings are Molly McCoy, um, Killian McMurphy, uh, Jordan Blade. Um, They've got a solid crew of real meanies, real nasties, and um, at the last show at the Cassandra Cup, um, Darius and his cronies beat down our beloved Billy Dixon. And I was not in the building. I could not come to his rescue. Um, I believe Ashton was detained as well. Um, so we couldn't help him at the time. Um, and nobody else did either. It was very sad. Um, but we're hoping to right that wrong and have his back this time around. So it's um, me, Ashton, and Billy versus Darius, Molly, and Killian. We are very, I'm very excited to see this match. Uh, we're very excited for the whole pay-per-view, frankly. Uh, it's going to be a good, going to be a good, good time. You guys should tune in. That is happening. Uh, I know the date. I'm very prepared host. Uh, <laughs> I'm so good at this. Uh, I believe that- it's <laughs> July 10th. Mm, Sorry? I believe it's July 10th. You are correct. Uh, <laughs> I just couldn't get the date pulled up. I was like, I had it pulled up. Uh, and I clicked off at the tab. <laughs> uh, you can find that. Uh, if you guys want to check out that show on July 10th, uh, go to at Paris is Bumping on Twitter. It's the pinned tweet that's at the very top there. It's got their, the Eventbrite tag. Um, I assume that it will be streaming. I just don't remember where. Um, it will be on um, IWTV, I believe. Okay. Okay. I think, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so it's going to be on IWTV. Uh, tune in. It's going to be cool. It's going to be good. Uh, so, yeah. So Real cool. Uh, real good. Real good. Real cool. Uh, very good. Very evil. Um, so, Erica, have you watched any cartoons this week? <laughs> okay. So... Fun fact about me is that I consume close to no media. <laughs> You're like August. <laughs> <laughs> YouTube. Um, and I have an especially hard time connecting with cartoons or any animated um, media. So typically my answer to that would be no, but I did recently watch um, The Simpsons. Mm. Old Simpsons or New Simpsons? Old Simpsons. Uh, any particular episodes or just kind of going through old seasons? Um, I'm pretty sure it was season two. Um, oh, wow. I'm trying to remember now which which episodes I watched. Clearly, they stuck with me. Um, 
in a, in a very impactful way. Um, I think one of them was a Halloween episode because there were a lot of vampires. Oh, hell yes. I think, I think, um, Lisa at the very end of the episode was like, we killed the head vampire. Hooray. Cause they killed Mr. Burns. But then they're like, no, we didn't. And then it was Marge. She was the head vampire. Oh. She was like, you know, I have a life outside this home. <laughs> <laughs> so I, th- I think that's, I mean, it's, it's honestly a huge coincidence that I would have watched anything animated the week of, uh, <laughs> you asking this question, but I did. I watched The Simpsons. Great. My, literally my first introduction to The Simpsons as a child um, was uh, because the the Sunsphere episode had happened, like where they take the road trip and they go to the Sunsphere, knock it over, and it's full of wigs. Um, (laughs) That was somehow my first interaction with that, because I'm from Knoxville. Like, I'm from the place where the Sunsphere is. It's a real thing. I don't even know what the Sunsphere is. Oh, uh, it is a it's a it's a large glass golden ball that sits on a stick in the middle of the city. Uh, it was built for the World's Fair. OK. Uh, and in The Simpsons, they take a road trip to it and then they accidentally knock it over and it's full of wigs. Uh, there used to be an alternative press uh, uh, newspaper in town called The Sun Sphere is full of wigs or <laughs> The Sun Sphere is a wig shop. Uh, that was fun. <clears throat> So that was my that's that was literally my first introduction to The Simpsons. Jesus, The Simpsons was like I don't want to say it was always on in in my household, but like my aunt uh, was super into like Matt Groening stuff, mm-hmm. and so I can't remember a time where like The Simpsons wasn't a part of the the family's cultural touchstone. Yeah, yeah, definitely was big in my house as uh, growing up too. Um, I'm trying to remember. I like my earliest Simpsons memory and I, I, I don't have any, like, it's just all glumped together in my brain, right? Like all the different fragmented episodes I could, I could maybe recall, or if I saw, I'd be like, oh yeah, that's familiar. Um, but. I feel like it's how the Simpsons exist in almost everybody's head. Yeah. As pop cultural, like ephemera that just everybody knows something about the simpsons at least in most western culture imagine creating something so ubiquitous for multiple generations of multiple countries like wow i can't i mean (laughs) what do you do next Throw it all away by becoming a caricature of yourself and being ultra conservative yeah also Uh, futurama I was going to say, yeah, like another hit TV show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. August, have you watched anything? Um, (laughs) I have not because I've been, I have fallen down the rabbit hole that is uh, The Sims 4. I'm glad you mentioned it because I was going to roast you if you didn't. Oh, yeah. I mean, I deserve it. It's. Like, um, I've been watching some Sims YouTubers, uh, with the, the new, like, game pack or whatever, Dream Home Decorator. Like, that's how they got me. Um, (laughs) I have, uh, I have a Sim who's currently, like, romancing half the town. Uh, they woohooed an old man to death, but managed to plead with death 
to uh, have Death spare his life. Seems and then, only fantasy because uh, they killed him. Yeah, and, and they succeeded, and now they have Death on speed dial. Um, because uh, their charisma is pretty good, so they were able to get Death's phone number, and now they chat periodically. Um, it's... Uh, it's kind of shameful in the past like five days I've put almost 30 hours into it. <laughs> I assume you're going to make like Thanos and try and like bang death. Ooh. So it's really difficult to flirt with death. Um, like I don't have that option over the phone. I can only befriend death. Well, can't you befriend death and then go like on a friend date and then push it? I don't understand how the Sims works. They've they've <laughs> made it incredibly difficult to like befriend death now, <laughs> at least from what I've seen. So uh, it's I'm doing the best I can. But yeah, I'm definitely trying. Fucking cowards. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> what have you uh, been watching, Brian? Well, let's see. Um. Bad Batch continues to still be good. Um, Rex showed up this week. That was fun. I guess spoiler for the Bad Batch. Whatever. It's not a huge plot point. Like, you didn't expect Rex to show up in the show about clones. Um, Let's see. Have you been watching Loki? No. I mean, I probably will at some point, but I don't feel any particular burning need. It is really surprisingly good wake me up when there's a uh, harpy bait in it D- okay it happened this week i guess oh really <laughs> yeah uh i'll talk to you about it afterwards because this is a major spoiler but i know it won't affect you um, okay but uh but also the show's just really weird and good um and owen wilson and todd or not tom hiddleston Wait, yeah, his name is Tom Hiddleston. I was thinking he was, like, fucking uh, Spider-Man. Um, oh, my God. Uh, but Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston have, like, fucking phenomenal chemistry together. Huh. I just watched the show of them just talking to each other, frankly. And it's mostly... The show is a lot of that. There's a lot of talking over these two episodes. Okay. But is there any homoeroticism? Because they've got, like, big shoes to fill after Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Not yet. They're not really pairing these two up as, like, they've got, like, perfect uh, buddy cop chemistry. Like, absolutely perfect buddy cop chemistry. Okay, I can accept this. Yeah. Um, so, it's pretty, pretty good so far. Also, turn. Have you ever watched Turn A Gundam? Uh, I I've seen a couple of episodes. My main interaction was falling in love with the soundtrack and then getting pissed when my ex boyfriend broke one of the CDs. <laughs> that is that sucks so hard because I assume at the time it was almost impossible to replace. Uh huh. <laughs> um, some weird Japanese imported CD <laughs> in the early two thousands. Um. <laughs> But yeah, check check it out. I'll send you a link to um, definitely a legitimate streaming site that's not YouTube that has the episodes because it's frankly the best. I'd never watched it because it never got a a U.S. release, Um, much like uh, Gundam X, which was also surprisingly good. Uh, But Turn A Gundam is probably one of the best animes I've watched, let alone one of the like best Gundams I've watched. 
So I am intrigued. Uh, yeah, pretty good. Uh, if you like complete, like if you, it's just Tomino just doing politics. He's like, Hey, I would love to tell a very complex story about identity, uh, in my robot show. And, and also they didn't mandate me to make the robots fight every episode. So they hardly fucking fight. They're just here <laughs> being nice. instruments of war and giant walking metaphors. So that's how I refer to myself most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> An yeah, instrument get, of war and a yeah. giant fucking metaphor. Get that announced next time you come down to the ring. <laughs> I, I think I will. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, do we have any cartoon news? I don't think we do. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of anything that I've heard recently. Oh, there's that Cuphead cartoon that's coming out. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, did the He-Man trailer drop? It did. It uh, looks like He-Man. Yeah, I'm I'm really wary just because, like, the way that it has been positioned in contrast to She-Ra makes me, like, kind of suspicious about the show's treatment of, like, potentially queer themes and queer coding. I think so, what it is, is I think the media has set that up. Kevin Smith has not done that himself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, he can't control how people report about the show. True. Uh, and it does have Mark Hamill. It does. Uh, and I think, honestly, I, I don't expect anything other than, like, the big meaty guys fight big meaty fights. Like, because Kevin Smith's not a dude who does, like, he is not a transformative, like, producer in the same way he's not going to transform he-man to something fucking entirely new like noel stevenson did to she-ra he's gonna make yeah. you a good fucking he-man and that's okay <laughs> so. yeah yeah that that's fair as I long as you're not promising me something different i'm fine with that so all right let's get into our episodes this week we are covering episodes 73 74 and 75 too far the answer in steven's birthday we're gonna start with episode 73 too far came out on october the 14th 2005 this one was written by hillary florido and jesse zook uh the episode synopsis uh, they're just getting Boy. worse, August, historically speaking. Sorry, we, sorry, Erica, uh, we have, we're currently this far into season two of Steven Universe, and the episode synopses are just fucking terrible. Just the oh. worst things in the world. This one, for this episode, Amethyst and Steven get on some, go some gym gossip. Um, what? Fuck. Like sometimes sometimes the the synopsis is like a random event in the episode, but that didn't even happen. Yeah, that's very strange. <laughs> oh well. Oh Anyways. The episode begins with Peridot recording a log entry at the barn, uh, where the crystal gems are working on the drill. Per Pearl calls Peridot over uh, to look at the layout of the gym, and then Peridot asks why she should be working with Pearl, replaying her own log to herself, reminding her that Pearl uh, 
has an abdomen for uh, technology uh, and then uh, agrees begrudgingly. Uh, Garnet arrives and tells everyone uh, to go ahead and get to work, and Peridot asks Garnet to unfuse, as her being fused makes Peridot uncomfortable. Uh, Garnet then uh, leashes Peridot and ties her to a fence <laughs> to work yeah. on a microwave, uh, iter- er, saying that uh, Peridot having free reign makes her uncomfortable. Uh, Stephen Amethyst brings scrap metal to Pearl, uh, but uh, she specifically needs tungsten um, and just leaves to go find it herself. Uh, this leads Stephen and uh, Amethyst to go over to Peridot, uh, who is complaining that she needs a, quote, leverage optimizer to open the microwave. This leads Amethyst to start going through all of the various parts of her body and getting uh, uh, Peridot to uh, say all the funny names that she has for them. This just Amethyst finds this absolutely hilarious. Uh, Pearl walks in and tells Peridot that all they need is some... Um, Needs the magnetron from that microwave to finish the drill, as well as the drill head itself. Uh, Peridot insists that she goes to the kindergarten to obtain a drill head from one of the objectors. The Garnet tells her that she's not going without a chaperone. Amethyst and Steven volunteer. Uh, Garnet approves, and then they head off to the kindergarten. At the kindergarten, Peridot is recording a log right in front of Steven and Amethyst, as though they're not there. Uh, and Amethyst asks her if she rec- she's recording one of her... Uh, was it nerd notes? I believe is what she calls it. Uh, mm-hmm. Peridot asks what a nerd is. and Amethyst simply tells her that Peridot is a nerd. Uh, Peridot continues to record her log, saying that things are getting incredibly annoying uh, and calling Garnet the permafusion. Amethyst asks if that's what she calls Garnet. Uh, then Peridot explains that uh, she can call uh, Garnet many things, such as a clod, or more accurately, two clods acting like one clod. Steven asks what's wrong with Garnet being a fusion. Uh, Peridot is at a loss for words, but considers it inherently bizarre that the two gems would stay fused outside of a combat uh, situation. Amethyst asks Peridot what's wrong with Steven, uh, and then basically we go through a series where uh, Peridot just, like, absolutely fucking runs everybody the fuck down. Um in uh, in the group until she finally gets to Amethyst. Uh, she says that uh, Amethyst uh, should be the one in charge because she's the only actual soldier here. Um, she describes Amethyst as being defective, though, uh, saying that she's smaller than Terra intended. Uh, irate, Amethyst asks if she what she's supposed to look like, and Peridot sort of explains that Amethyst is a quartz gem. She should be about twice as tall, broad shoulders, and intimidating more or less looking like Jasper. Uh, in contrast, Amethyst is not those things. Um, and Peridot observes that the hole, uh, that Amethyst came out, she can nail the hole that Amethyst came out of, uh, saying that she came out 500 years too late, and no wonder that she doesn't know what she's supposed to look like. Uh, after being insulted, Amethyst begins to, um, get incredibly mad, uh, where Peridot asks Amethyst to break the drill head off. She whips it in half violently. Um, they return to the barn, uh, with the drill head in tow. Peridot, or Pearl, is extremely happy about what's going on with the drill, and Peridot tries to cheer Amethyst up by making a joke, and it goes over like a lead fucking balloon. Uh, Steven explains to Pearl, not Pearl, geez, to Peridot that Amethyst's feelings are hurt, and that the, uh, and that Peridot uh, is feeling incredibly small and tells her that that feeling is guilt. Uh, Peridot goes to work on the drill head, but accidentally activates it, uh, and she gets caught because she's still wearing her, like, little kitty leash. Um, 
she gets caught as the drill kind of flies out, Stephen working very hard to try and get the drill deactivated. Uh, the drill is about to hit Amethyst when Peridot breaks her leash, jumps on top of Amethyst, knocks her out of the way. Uh, we get the meet cute scene of them like looking up at each other with Amethyst or per- Peridot on top of Amethyst. Uh, and she apologizes to Amethyst. Uh, and then Steven's like, oh, it's okay. We know you weren't trying to hurt us. And then she's like, yeah, for that too. Uh, she eventually returns with a log explaining that uh, she feels bad that she upset Amethyst, uh, that she doesn't quite understand what's going on when it comes to her emotions, but she would like to understand uh, and that she is sorry. Uh, Amethyst uh, thanks her. Uh, accepts her apology, but still calls her a nerd. Uh, at the end of the episode, we find Steven asking Peridot how she feels, to which Peridot replies, big star wipe the end. Mm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I love, I love <laughs> the line of like, that doesn't explain, like when uh, Peridot immediately just walks in and starts like running uh, running Pearl down. Just the, the, that doesn't explain the singing and the crying and the singing and crying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Call her out on being emotional. <laughs> Drag her. Um, the, huh? I love the feeling big and feeling small. It's very good. They also do a really good job. I had like a note here. Uh, they do a really good job when framing those two scenes uh, because they re- like they put the way that they kind of angle. Well, probably they just draw her differently, obviously, because they're not real things. I don't know why I was saying something about a camera, um, but they draw a paradox way smaller when she's like she's all curled up. She looks really small in the frame when she says that initially. And then she's like most of the frame at the end of the episode when she says she feels big. I think she's, like, standing tall with her hands on her hips, too, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, I just, I think that's so, um, like, typical of Steven Universe and why I love the show so much. To, like, boil down, like, complex emotions into, you know, the most easy-to-understand thing. Like, I feel small, I feel bad, I feel big, I feel good, like feeling, like, shame and guilt and, like, negative feelings. You can, like, boil it all down into, like... I don't want to be seen. I want to be small. I feel small. I feel, you know, mm-hmm. it's, there are so many complex feelings and thoughts and you can just spend, you know, like I'm doing a million words describing it, or you could be smart and say, I feel small. Very, very impressive to me. Um, the way that they tell that, that story and, and the, Oh, and this show does that. So like time and time again, um, takes like big complex subject, like guilt and boils it down to, I feel small, and it's so effective and so easy, and blows my mind every time. Yeah, they're incredibly efficient with their ta- their storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they have, like, a really good grasp of how to, like, express concepts like the the guilt and things like that in very economic terms and, and like distill it down to be something because like, like Peridot is definitely coded as autistic and like, you know, putting, putting her emotions in ways that, you know, are different and that neurodivergent kids 
might understand better uh, is just, you know, really good. That's so interesting. I hadn't thought of that at all. Yeah, it's, I feel like this is like, it's, they've been doing sort of the ground, like ever since she started making like the, you know, the turn from being like the bad guy to obviously we're on the redemption arc for Peridot at this mm-hmm. point. Um, she, they've been doing a lot of like work. She went from being very calm, cool and collected to being like this little gremlin monster that she is now. Um, and it feels like they've been putting in the work to sort of like bring that, like that neurodivergent coding, like to the forefront, especially like with the rain episode. Um, and this one in particular where she has like this really hard, time sussing out people's emotions or like what reaction that she's getting out of things or even just the way that she was calling everything something a little bit different um and steven and amethyst were like cracking up and oh you're so funny you're so funny and then the big punchline at the end is like that's your butt like it's very (laughs) i like that um, she doesn't know any other body part but a butt (laughs) yeah what was uh, what was hand it was like Stumpy something. Touch stump. Touch stump. Yeah, I was cracking up. And then she goes, it's your butt! I was like, oh, too good. It's such a good gag. I also love the the visual gag of Garnet, like, being the mom to uh, put a harness and a leash on the kid. (laughs) Um... Mm -hmm. Garnet has just such big mom energy, uh, the set of episodes. Yeah, for sure. Very nurturing. I like how she's like, you'll know when I'm joking. It's like, we won't. (laughs) None of us will know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The like most like dry and like mysterious character thinking like, oh, it'll be obvious. And everyone else (laughs) is like, no, no, it will not be. I do wonder in the, well, I wanted to get your guys' take, because I couldn't, I've watched this scene now, I've watched this episode now three times, um, and I was trying to get a vibe on it. So when they're in the kindergarten, and um, uh, Peridot is going through, kind of she's like starting that initial sort of, um, that initial sort of rant about kind of going off about Garnet and Steven, and then she like, like starts talking about Amethyst. I do wonder if that initial, like, I can't tell if she's just excited and she wants to talk up Amethyst or she's trying to make, initially is trying to start off as a play to make, to to sow dissent. I don't know. It has kind of like that vibe of like, you know, you're the one who should be in charge. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That was initially how I read it for sure. I was like, oh, like trying to like, yeah, um, sow dissent or, or like cause trouble. But, um, like, immediately forgot about that once we started getting into, like, the feeling small and, like, I heard her feelings and you have to get that right and all, all of that. Like, I I completely forgot that I, I interpreted it that way at first. Yeah. Yeah, I had the same sort of, like, because I wrote it down. I wrote a note down. It's like, oh, is this her trying to sow dissent? And then as it goes on, it's like, well, no, I don't think that's what they're trying to say. But I'm wondering if that's just like, oh, that's what we're used to villains doing, or if it's just the level, like, this is just her level of actual enthusiasm, because, like, it's obvious that she likes 
amethyst out of any all of the crystal gems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she kept calling her the best gem. Yeah, and then like especially because like later she's she's clearly trying to impress and entertain amethyst. I think it was one of those things where I I don't know if cultural difference is the right word. But, you know, uh, Peridot is from, you know, Jim Homeworld culture where things are clearly very different. They don't have the same social mores, it seems. And so, you know, trying to interact with Amethyst on the level she's used to, where she doesn't necessarily have to pay attention to the feelings of others or, you know, these things aren't things that would affect the feelings of others. Um, And it just blows up in her face. Um, I, I have questions for you, August, because of our, our long running Amethyst discourse, uh, but also mm-hmm. might come back around to it. Same ideas, like when we get to the, the birthday episode. Um, but like, I just wanted to get your vibe on like, what, like, basically I need your Amethyst vibes. <laughs> <laughs> Give me your Amethyst. I, I love that, you know, Amethyst is still very clearly working on her own, like, self-esteem and... How this is still a source about the kindergarten. Because, like... Like, you know but you know just having having Peridot like critiquing her like critiquing her body in the way that she was and just like the way that Amethyst closed off with like you know you should have been burlier you should have been bigger you know that's that's totally relatable trans mask feels um I don't know. I'm still on the Amethyst has a case of the genders train. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and I don't I don't know the show like super, super well. I've always enjoyed it when seeing it. But as we were talking about Amethyst, I like, you know, automatically used she to describe her. And then I was like, I wonder, does that ever get talked about? I almost asked if Amethyst used um other pronouns because because it is like pretty i mean i don't know i guess if you're already in a queer bubble you'd look at amethyst and be like mm-hmm. uh yeah yeah well J- amethyst has previous we've noted previously like in the um like in tiger tiger millionaire like when uh amethyst is the purple puma uh amethyst uses he him pronouns whenever they're doing purple mm-hmm. puma stuff gotcha and no one like steven never comments on it he's just like all right yeah that's what we're doing now love that yeah uh so yeah uh other notes that i had i like the when peridot is trying to explain garnet and then just makes all the hand gestures (laughs) i wrote down in my notes you know question mark like scissors emoji question mark (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that really does, you know, go a long way towards reinforcing, you know, how it's so taboo, because like Peridot can't even bring herself to to talk about it in plain terms. 
Yeah. And then we we get some sort of some of the reinforcement of that when we get to the answer in the song between Ruby and Sapphire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's it's nice to see them sowing the seeds now. Yeah, for sure. Um so Amethyst and Peridot are flirting with each other, right? Amethyst is definitely flirting at Peridot. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Relatable. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if uh, Peridot is processing it yet uh, as the things that she's doing back is flirting. I don't know what Peridot's trying to accomplish. <laughs> I well, think I mean, they're vibing. They're clicking in like a sort of like tense way, which that's flirting. It's true. Yeah. And it, it's like Am- uh, Peridot is so intent on impressing Amethyst and like clearly values Amethyst's opinion the most of the crystal gems. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, there's definitely something going on there. It's true. And uh, the, I I believe the, the Amethyst Peridot Pearl, or or Pearl, Pearl's not in there. I meant to say (laughs) Shippers. I don't know why I said Pearl. I don't think Pearl cares. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, We're definitely like, this was the the first peridot ship before obviously the the ur peridot ship came in came along later yeah i i don't know i i had now kiss in my notes at the end so now kiss <laughs> well, they did they did the anime thing where uh, peridot yes. lands on top of amethyst it's obvious what they're going for Yes. I love the notes here in the Wikipedia, by the way, uh, here in uh, cultural, I believe it's in cultural references. The part where Peridot jumps on Amethyst is quite familiar to Tigger bouncing on his friends in the Winnie the Pooh from Disney. And I'm like, are you what the fuck are you on (laughs) Wikipedia page for Steven Universe? Very odd. Oh, my goodness. They also call Peridot talking into the recorder a reference to Agent Dale Cooper from uh, the 90s cult classic Twin Peaks. And I'm like, I I don't buy that just because if she were, she would be addressing somebody. Yeah. Like she would be addressing her boss or something like that. This is obviously a Star Trek reference. Yes. 100%. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, alrighty. Oh, also, I like... Oh, the, oh. Oh, yes. Go ahead. No, go on. Um, I did have a note here. It's very interesting and, you know, goes back to some stuff that we've talked about previously. Pearl, when Peridot is talking about Pearl, she does not consider Pearl a gem. Like... She ha- she talks about Pearl separately from the gems, and when she's talking about the gems, like, she says something like the gems and that Pearl. Right. Mm. Also, she doesn't consider Garnet a gem, but I think that's more like, because she doesn't classify fusions in that way. Right. But it's still it's still just very interesting to me the way that, like, we get these hints of, like, what gem culture really thinks of pearls and i know that you said that they kind of like backpedal a little on it but like the way that they're presenting it now makes it seem still really heavily that pearls are effectively things and not people Mm. 
it that that is very true. Uh, well, I think the line between thing and person in Jim's society, like it's not that they backpedal; they just complicate what the line is between. Uh, I've watched it previously since the last time I've watched ahead some uh, <laughs> to look at things that I was trying to remember. Um, the that Pearl Jim society gets like muddy on where the line between thing and person is. Mm. Um, so. Uh, also, yeah. like, uh, genetically. <laughs> yes, that 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 was that was a very good pun. <laughs> OK, all right. Anybody have anything else about too far? Uh, I think um, now I'm trying to I'm hoping I'm not like mashing episodes up together in my mind. But I think in the same way that Peridot like kind of gives away how gem culture feels about um, pearls, mm -hmm. um, she does the same for fusions. And I think, August, you touched on this um, because then we like later um, in another episode get the like the view of um, Garnet's initial fusion mm -hmm. and, like, how all the gems reacted to it. And that's, like, traumatic. So for Peridot to be, like, maybe we should talk about this in the next episode, but, um, but for Peridot to just simply say, like, you're making me uncomfortable is such, like, again, like a boiled-down, like, allusion to that greater cultural um, view. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And like, it's it's also like, you know, that's definitely something that you know visibly queer couples have experienced. Just you know, I I don't want to say this is queer coding because it's like this is explicit. It's explicit that Garnet represents a queer couple, um, but like, you know, it's it it's something that a lot of people find really relatable in like their the treatment of their relationship. Uh so yeah, it's it's really good. The way that it's characterized is really good. Mm -hmm. It's also nice to see that like part of Peridot's apology also sort of hints or not hints at, but sort of states that like she realizes that these things that she's doing like her viewpoint of the world is fundamentally wrong and that she wants to work to change that too. Mm -hmm. She's still a fucking asshole, but she's an asshole yeah. trying to make a change. <laughs> yeah. And like fighting against a lifetime of being taught one thing or, you know, several things and then like meeting people that challenge those beliefs and like slowly coming around and like not realizing that she's changing her mind until mm -hmm. like really her her hand is forced and she has to make a decision yeah and it's nice that the thing that I, I i've always enjoyed about steven universe is that like the bad guys like i i guess a criticism that you can level against steven universe and it's a valid criticism especially as it's become into later seasons is that the bad like the bad guys are never fully bad guys there's never right. like a full-on like they're always presented initially as like not being good people and then 
taking the steps to become good people is kind of yeah. the, the arc of everybody, frankly, everybody in Steven Universe, except for Steven, who starts off as a golden boy and gets destroyed by the end. <laughs> uh, it's the reverse arc of everybody else. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, it's having a fun, like, you know, Steven Universe is a show that's about growth and change, and the the power of, like, being accepting and that sort of, like, de-escalation of conflict, of talking about things, that talking yeah. about things is going to lead to changes with people. And while it's not, I would say it's probably not, uh, like, a perfect metaphor, and it runs into problems, especially when you pair it up against the real-world stuff, when it comes to, again, the other thing to remember is it's also a show for children, <laughs> And they have 11 minutes to get very nuanced concepts through. And I think they do a pretty good job most of the time. Amazing job. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Let's move on to episode uh, 74, The Answer. Uh, this one came out on January 4th, 2016. Uh, doesn't have a production code somehow. That's real weird. Uh, I don't usually read those, but it just didn't have one, which was odd. <laughs> um, and this one was written by Lamar Abrams and Katie Mitroff. The official synopsis. Garnet finally tells Stephen the story of how she became a crystal gem. It's right. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's good enough. The episode begins with Steven sleeping in the back of a pickup truck in the family barn. Garnet appears and wakes Steven up at midnight to celebrate his birthday. Uh, with Garnet's plan to tell Steven uh, that she's a fusion ruined in the events of Jailbreak, she instead begins to tell Steven about how Ruby and Sapphire met and became a crystal gem, uh, which uh, Steven fucking loves. Uh, Garnet introduces the setting. It's Earth 5,750 years ago. Homeworld was in the process of colonizing Earth, but a group of rebels was delaying the colonization process. Um, as a result, a team of diplomats was sent to Earth to investigate the current crisis including a Sapphire and her two team of three Ruby bodyguards. Uh, Sapphire is summoned by Blue Diamond to give her a report on the outcomes of the Rebellion. Uh, the team arrives at the Cloud Arena uh, when they reach Earth. Uh, as they make their way to Blue Diamond, the Rubies are discussing how they're going to fight the Rebels very playfully in their roughhousing, and then one of the Rubies, our Ruby, uh, is shoved into Sapphire. She apologizes, but Sapphire excuses her, explaining that she knew it would happen, and thanks, uh, thanks to her future vision. As Ruby attempts to make herself look dutiful, Sapphire approaches Blue Diamond and informs her of the future. The rebels, they're going to attack the Cloud Arena. They're uh, they're going to destroy the physical forms of seven gems in the process, including Sapphire uh, and her two, two of her ruby bodyguards. Despite this, the rebels will be captured, ending the rebellion and winning the war right here, right now. Uh, as if on cue, the rebels appear immediately afterwards, uh, revealing themselves to be Rose Quartz and Pearl, uh, the OG crystal gems. Uh, they demand that Blue Diamond abandon Earth and begin attacking the homeworld gems. The attack proceeds exactly how Sapphire had foreseen it, with Pearl immediately defeating the four, uh, four gems, uh, and then the three bodyguards fuse into one big giant ruby, um, but Rose easily defeats that ruby, uh, forcing them to unfuse. Uh, Pearl poofs two of the rubies uh, and begins 
begins approaching Sapphire, who thanks uh, our Ruby uh, for her efforts. Ruby realizes this is what Sapphire was talking about, and that she accepted her fate, um, having seen the outcome with her future vision. But Ruby refuses to accept this outcome and jumps and tackles Sapphire out of the way, pushing her uh, away from Pearl's blade. In the process, the two gems fuse together into Garnet uh, with a much more chaotic and sort of... It, it's what is commonly referred to in the fandom as Cotton Candy Garnet. Um, the new Garnet is very confused as to what's happening. Uh, Pearl is also... everybody's Frankly, everybody's fucking dumbfounded by this. Uh, Pearl uh, steals herself ready to attack, but Rose stops her, uh, then realizes that they're surrounded by enemy gems, and they're like, peace out, and then they team rocket away. Uh, Garnet immediately unfuses and the crowd begins to kind of push in on them surrounding Ruby and Sapphire. Uh, Blue Diamond uh, is livid. Um, she asks Sapphire what happened. This is not what was supposed to happen. And Sapphire is distraught. She's confused. Uh, but the Ruby intervenes saying that uh, it was all her fault. Blue Diamond agrees and says for her crime of fusing with a member of her court, Blue Diamond sentences Ruby to be broken. Uh, however, Sapphire grabs Ruby and they escape, jumping the fuck off the, the sky arena and down to Earth. Uh, Ruby, once they're down on the ground, Ruby is panicking about the current situation. Uh, and Sapphire is straight up in a, a state of shock. Uh, Ruby's impulsive nature has apparently changed the course of fate entirely. Uh, Ruby, at, in this, Sapphire sort of literally freezes in place. Uh, Ruby picks her up and takes her over to a cave to shelter. Uh, Ruby is really upset in failing her mission to save Sapphire, who calmly tells Sapphire that Ruby already saved her. Um, from here, we hit a montage. Um, it's a song, uh, basically them talking about their, uh, their experience together as Garnet, them kind of growing closer. We see cute little images of these two exploring Earth until finally we get to, uh, them, dancing together at the end where they do the little hum like they did in jailbreak or the hum that the tune that sapphire was humming in jailbreak uh at the end of it they fuse back into garnet um garnet is tentatively trying to get uh the hang of her new form has almost got it when she trips and stumbles down a hill falling immediately in front of like pearl and rose uh, afraid that she's going to upset them, Garner, Garnet offers to unfuse, but Rose uh, puts her at ease, however, claiming that Garnet her... claiming that how Garnet feels is much more important and interesting. Uh, Garnet admits that she feels lost and scared, but also happy. She begins to ask R Rose a, a myriad of questions, to which Rose says, don't question yourself. Um, but she's like, how do... Uh, like, what what is this? And Rose blithely replies... Uh, Welcome to Earth. Um, and Stephen asks Garnet what the answer to all those questions was, to which Garnet, like, replies love. And Stephen's like, ah, I knew it. And Garnet agrees, star wipe the end. Uh, first note, cute. So cute. Garnet with her glasses <laughs> off, adorable. <laughs> yes. I, I love the evolution of... Garnet's relationship relationship with Steven and how she, you know, this is not the sort of behavior we would have seen at the beginning of the season and how much more open she is with her affection and how excited she is to share stuff with Steven. Yeah, it, it is very fun that she, uh, I like how 
Steven is immediately, are you going to tell me that you're Ruby and Sapphire? She's like, you you know this already, you dumb little weirdo. <laughs> it's so cute. Uh, it's it's that like, um, that moment where the kid wants to hear the favorite story again. You know, like you, you I've told you this a thousand times. Yeah, but I want to hear it again. Like, <laughs> Um, like we were saying in the last episode, very nurturing, very maternal for, um, role for Garnet to be in. Mm-hmm. So when Garnet starts telling the flashback, this is an art, like this is a visual reference to Utena again, right? Like this is something from Utena, vaguely, right? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's once again, you know, kind of a reference to the, the shadow plays. That's it. Um, yes. Because I was trying to find some screen caps from Rintana because I'm like, I know this hat, like, there's, at this point, I'm just like, every time Steven Universe does something very whimsical like this, I'm like, they've got to be fucking aping Utena at this point. Um, <laughs> uh, I was trying to find screenshots or something. I couldn't remember that. I couldn't remember Shadow Plays. Yep. It's, you know, the... I don't I don't remember. It's been so long. It's not it's not that they use it as bumpers necessarily, but they use it as almost like a Greek chorus mm-hmm. style okay. kind of interstitial scene. Um but yeah, it's um hang on, let me I've got a good screenshot for you. Uh right now. Let me because this is almost exactly the style that uh, they used. I'm putting it in the voice text channel. Okay. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, I knew it was okay. And that's just from the regular episodes, right? Yes. Okay. Sick. Um, yeah. So definitely, you can you can see the the genetics of Utena in this show uh, continually. They do something like this in Sailor Moon, too, don't they? I remember they made Sailor Moon was probably. Wait, is Utena before Utena is before Sailor Moon or are they concurrent? No, uh, Sailor Moon started a little bit before Utena, Mm -hmm. but they share some DNA because the director of Utena was also one of the directors on Sailor Moon S. And I believe he worked on it concurrently. Like I think he was doing both shows at the same time, okay. but I'm not. I remember something sure. like this in in a similar storybook kind of flashback style. I may just be mixing those two shows together in my head, though. That's a v- very likely thing that's happening. But let's see. Yeah. Uh, Blue Diamond's music. I'm, it's the first time we hear it, but it sounds like it won't be the last time. And I fucking love it. I love Blue Diamond's music so much. <laughs> Yeah, it's very good. Also, I was mistaken. Uh, Sailor Moon was before Utena. Okay. Oh. Yeah. But um. The the music in this episode continues to be phenomenal. Um, I do think it's interesting the way that they use the character design here because we very clearly, even though she has a different character design, you can definitely tell that um, there. Uh, Blue Diamond is attended by a Pearl. Mm-hmm. Obviously not our Pearl, but she's still obviously related. Yeah. I, right. My notes were like, a Pearl! Exclamation mark. <laughs> yep. And I do think it's interesting that this Pearl is not portrayed in, like, the shadow puppet style. 
Yeah, and neither is, uh, like, it's like all the important players are not shadow puppets. Right. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if they, because, like, Blue Pearl doesn't have any, any voice lines, so I do wonder if uh, she was... Uh, they, they colored her in specifically so they could be like, yes, we talked, remember we've been talking about pearls. Here's one. Look, a pearl. <laughs> <laughs> Look, a new iPhone. Yeah. Technically an older iPhone. <laughs> oh. We'll get there. We'll get some pearl lore. We, we will see Blue Pearl again. I hope so. <laughs> uh. Cool. The, um, oh, go on, sorry. I, it is so heartbreaking to me that Ruby does not value herself at all. And like, it's also heartbreaking that there isn't even, even with her relationship with Sapphire that hasn't changed all this time because she has the exact same sentiment on the handship uh, as she does here where, you know, when Sapphire's, like, asking if she's okay, Ruby's like, who cares? And it's the exact same sentiment she has here, so it's it's just heartbreaking that she hasn't been able to learn to value herself. Yeah. It's also interesting that even though Sapphire is, in fact, one like, a more, I guess, like, a higher social standing gem than Ruby is... Like, she also doesn't really have that much value for herself. Like, it's all in service to the, the you know, the the Diamond Authority. Right. She saw how she her, her life was going to end, and she was just like, yep, that's it. And that's what's going to happen. I mean, I guess it's not mm-hmm. technically death for her, but, like, I assume it right. sucks. Like, <laughs> it can't be comfortable. No. <laughs> uh... Yeah, I I don't know if that's necessarily, like, her not valuing herself. It it really feels like, you know, somebody who's just resigned to their position in life. Mm-hmm. Like, she's just like, yeah, I'm here. I don't necessarily want to be here, but I can't change it, so I'm just going to make the best of it that I can kind of thing. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, sorry, when you said that, like, just resign to your job or whatever, I don't know why, but, like, I thought of, like, a Flint, like, she, she's like a Flintstones vacuum, like, ah, it's a living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I just see them as sort of opposite sides of the same coin. There's, like, aggressive and passive acceptance where, like, one is like, who cares about me? And the other one is like, well, that's what's meant to happen to me. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, uh, love the song, love the little duet between these two, two adorable Yes. Um, I was, it may be that the Mandalorian has poisoned me as a human, uh, but I was, I've seen this show multiple times, (laughs) but I was very afraid that when Ruby picked up that frog, she was going to eat it, (laughs) like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> enough so that i put in my notes i was very afraid that ruby would eat that frog <laughs> very yeah afraid. yeah but but ruby like 
Ruby and and Garnet have never expressed any particular interest in eating food, so yeah, it's fair. But like, I'm just like every time there's been a cute small thing that I'm emotionally invested in recently, they've eaten a frog. <laughs> um, Lord, <laughs> uh, th- I love that they go to sleep and like you know, the cover of night, it's raining, it's dark, it's, you know, cold, and then they wake up in, like, this cute little rose garden. hmm Yeah. Um. God, the, the backgrounds in this episode are gorgeous. They're so good. Yeah, very, very pretty. I love when it transitions from the, like, sort of fable that Garnet is telling into, like, the actual story uh, of them, where the art style shifts into, like, the regular art style is pretty fun, too. hmm Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also like how this song is basically about sex <laughs> uh, without being very explicit. It's very, uh, it's yeah. like a very cute song about sex. Yeah. And the way they're like, uh, I didn't know it would feel like and they don't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> Was it the same for you? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever? No, no, I haven't. No. <laughs> right. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so we ha- and then also like the whole allegory for like um, interracial couples, right? Like your the the reaction that all the gems had was very like you're not meant to be together. Why? How could you? You're different. Mm-hmm. Um, right. That's very emotional. And then also just queer couples in general, too. Like there's a light of like with Garnet obviously be coded. Like Garnet is obviously. Uh, coded black because she's black uh and also estelle voices her you know um and then uh if you take that like take that same thing further i don't know who actually who is sapphire's voice actress i feel like we've had to look her up before erica luttrell yes um, so yeah. And then, uh, Ruby's voice actress, relatives, Ruby wife, um, is, uh, uh, Charlene Yee, who is a, a fucking wild follow on Twitter, by the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, she, yeah. They, so I, they have that sort of like voice actor sort of stuff, bringing it into it. Uh, but yeah, sorry. Yes, good point. I don't know what tangent I was trying to go off on, but I wasn't I was not getting there. <laughs> <laughs> so I I kind of feel like uh, Garnet in this episode is also a metaphor for transitioning, especially given like. Like the the message at the end about how afraid she is, but how it's better to be afraid and be herself mm-hmm. Um, just gave me really heavy, like, trans vibes. I think it can be pretty broadly applied as well, because, like, obviously I have a slightly different experience, and it, what it reads to me is, like, those initial feel, like, that initial feeling of, like, when you're breaking out, like, both gender norms and, like, uh, like, orientation sort of, like, norms, when you're, like, first having thoughts about, like, oh, this... Like, oh, I'm attracted to X instead of Y. 
why why does this like why does this feel like this shouldn't be right but this feels like this feels like the right thing that sort of thing too yeah Mm -hmm. very very um like broadly applicable to self-discovery there we go Um, yeah that's a way more articulate than what i said (laughs) (laughs) especially with um rose quartz giving the the advice of like don't question it don't ask why it only matters that you're you and you feel good and, and, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And Rose's reaction, I did find very interesting too, because of the way that she reframed the situation. Like, I don't know. It, it was, I didn't expect that kind of reaction from her. Like, I, I mean, I knew obviously that Garnet joins the crystal gems and, you know, has a positive relationship with Rose. But, you know, ha- I, don't, I don't know what I expected, but it wasn't the way that she reframed it from being about her to being about Garnet. Yeah. And also a thing to point out is that Rose doesn't have her sword. Garnet is the first crystal gem they actually recruit. The whole, quote unquote, at this point, up until this point, the only rebellion are two gems, Rose Quartz and a Pearl. Like, so Garnet's their actual, like, their first actual recruit. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll see an interesting, so kind of keep that in mind, because we'll see an interesting uh, turn on that, because we see the opposite side of this entire story in a, a uh, in an episode much further down the line. I think it's in, like, season five. It's called The Question. Um, mm-hmm. Not the, not the DC Comics character, but an episode of Steven <laughs> Universe. Um, and it's, it, it reframe, not reframes this, but it shows an interesting angle on this, this particular story. Mm -hmm. Uh, do do we have anything else about the answer? Um... No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All righty, let's move on to episode 75, Stephen's Birthday. This one came out on January the 5th. Uh, it was re- written by Lamar Abrams and Katie Mitroff. Stephen has a birthday party out at the barn and decides he has some growing up to do. See, that's cute. I like this. That's a yeah. good, yeah, yeah. Uh, it hints that something's happening without giving it away and also to kind of describe like it, it it's like, oh, what does Steven have to growing up to do about? I want to see this as opposed to like, mm-hmm. there's some gossip. What? <laughs> um, yeah. The gems are setting up for a party for Steven outside the barn. Uh, they're blowing up some balloons and cutting ribbons. Uh, Steven concerned that this is going to stop their work on the drill, but Steven. Pearl assures him that Peridot should keep them on on check. Amethyst teases a passing Peridot, who definitely was there to record that day. Definitely, guys. That's why we're lampshading this. Uh, (laughs) Garnet reasons that they should celebrate uh, Stephen's progress and the progress that they've making, remarking that he's grown a lot this last year. Uh, At that point, Connie arrives in Greg's van to celebrate Stephen's birthday. Connie explains that it was hard for her her to convince her parents to let her stay in Stephen's barn for the weekend and that they refused to let her go without an array of safety equipment, apparently including a defibrillator. Uh, once Greg stows the defibrillator, he runs up to give Stephen a big hug. Um, 
he says that Stephen is growing up so fast, seemingly uh, from a baby just yesterday to now being 14. Connie is fucking dumbfounded by the fact that Stephen is 14, um, spitting out her durian juice, uh, saying that she's just confused that Stephen is older than her, saying that she's 12 and three quarters. Um, Greg then shows Connie a photo album of Stephen where he's like a baby and then a toddler and then like a little kid. And then he just kind of stalls out at eight. <laughs> he just like eight. This has been the same since he was eight years old. Uh, Connie visibly distressed at this point, uh, excuses herself, uh, taking Greg along with her using the excuse that she needs to show him how the defibrillator works. Um, Connie is very concerned about Stephen's growth. Um, Greg himself isn't even sure uh, why that is happening and if it will resolve or what's going to happen with Stephen. Uh, seeing as the gems don't age at all, but Stephen is half human and thus has aged at some point in his life. Um, they just don't know what's happening. Um, Connie is concerned, but Greg reassures her with a like human beings high five though Stephen overhears this conversation as they are finishing up. Um, at the entrance of the barn, Stephen is trying to hang a birthday banner, uh, but is too short to do it. Uh, Amethyst approaches and tells him that he needs to stretch his limbs, and then she does that. Uh, she stretches out, like Stretch Armstrong puts it up there, uh, saying specifically that he needs to make a decision on whether it's straight or not because she can't hold that shape forever. Uh, Greg comes up to Steven and gives him his birthday crowning cape that we saw last time in, was it Too Many Birthdays? Was that the last birthday episode? That Think horror so. show? St How many birthdays has Steven had, like, a horrific body trauma in, I wonder? Uh, I mean, so far, uh, so far we're two for two. Yeah. Um, Steven contemplates uh, whether or not he... I don't think that's what's happening. Sorry. Greg comes up to Stephen, gives him his birthday crown and cape. He puts him in the barn, uh, closing the thing. We Steve, see Stephen contemplating. Uh, then everybody outside yells for Stephen to open the door. Uh, they're going to surprise him. Stephen comes out. He's suddenly older looking. He's taller. He His clothes don't fit anymore. He's got a neck. Um, all the signs of puberty. Uh <laughs> Uh, everyone's kind of confused about this, but he puts them at ease saying, oh, isn't, you know, a magical growth spurt. Uh, we see later that Connie and Steven, uh, Connie is giving Steven a gift, uh, revealing kind of like a pink button down shirt. Uh, he tries it on, but it doesn't fit anymore because of his quote unquote growth spurt. Uh, but he wears it anyways, kind of open. Uh, then we cut to Connie and Steven facing, uh, Connie and Steven and Pearl and Amethyst are all playing badminton. It's Steven and Amethyst on one team, Pearl and Connie on the other. Um, and Amethyst just like whips that, uh, what's that thing called? A shuttle in badminton? The shuttlecock. Cock, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, just Birdie. whips that motherfucker out uh, into a tree. Uh, Connie leaves to go get it, and she's very, she's too short to get it out of the tree, but new tall Stephen gets it down immediately. Uh, she runs back to the badminton court, but then Stephen's arm shrinks real small, and he has to force it back out, uh, back to, to big. Um, later in the evening, uh, the gyms are all dancing, and Stephen is visibly uh fatigued from having to hold his shape for so long and then garnet mm -hmm. ultimate wingman puts on a slow song for the quote-unquote best friends out there steven and connie uh right. <laughs> they start slow dancing connie is like 
she tells him that's uh, funny that she has to look up to him now in a literal sense. Uh, Steven becomes uneasy and nervous and he's just like, he's fucking losing it. So he's like, I've got to go uh, fresh it up and runs behind the bar and lets his, his shape go back to normal for a second. Uh, then opens his eyes to see that Amethyst and Greg are back there doing something with a pinata. We'll come back to this later when we talk about this episode. Um, They're like, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, And Steven shifts back and he's like, uh, he explains that he needs to stay this way so he can keep a mature appearance with Connie, worried that he won't grow up. So he forced himself to do so physically. Um, Amethyst admonishes him, saying that, like, if you you're going to hurt yourself, if you keep this up, you can't stay stretched out like that forever. And Steven's like, hey, I'm a gem. I'm I'm not like other gems. Maybe this is different. Um, We cut to a little bit later where Kanye and Steven are laying on a towel or laying on a blanket. They're looking at constellations uh, and they. Uh. They are kind of like making up constellation and Connie expresses happiness at the prospect that Steven's going to grow up, that they're going to grow up together. Um, and at this, Steve, the stress is too much and Steven melts into a baby. He becomes a goddamn baby. And Connie's like, what the fuck? And he just immediately starts crying like you would. Uh, <laughs> uh, Connie then shows baby Steven to Greg in the gems. Uh, they're all they're all equally like what the actual fuck is happening uh garnet tries to calm steven down but he keeps crying greg takes responsibility grabbing his kid uh and going on a drive as he's the only human parent and is the one who raised steven as a baby uh on the road greg is surprised um that the driving isn't calming steven down uh he wants to drop connie off at her house but she insists on staying offering to assist uh assist with steven as the when the gems go away on missions or greg is busy with the car wash she says to baby steven that she wants to stay uh, by steven's side no matter what happens um that she's his friend no matter what which calms him down uh the following morning connie wakes up to see only steven's shirt on the floor of the tent she panics assuming steven has reverted even further back into a zygote uh tearful she busts outside to see steven uh is back to his regular shape and he's trying on her shirt uh he reveals how he was aware of what happened uh, when he was an infant and apologizes to her, explaining that he wanted to look and feel older for Connie. Uh, but she simply tells him that he's perfectly fine the way that he is. Um, suddenly she knows that Steven has a single facial hair, uh, to which Greg and the gems, uh, all begin, uh, like bigging Steven up about this. Uh, when we cut over to Connie, uh, who is smiling in relief, star wipe the end. <laughs> Uh, note, similar note to last episode, first note, these cuties. <laughs> yeah. No. Cuties. Although, uh, how has Connie gone this long without finding out Steven's age? Because, like, it, it's been like a year, right? Over a year? I just don't think Steven talks about it. Like, I don't think to Steven is probably not that like outside of the birthday parties it's probably not that big a deal to him. You know, he's not because he doesn't go to school. He's not socialized in that sort of way that kids are where like they stratify themselves by age. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that seems like the sort of the sort of thing that Connie's mom might have asked about or might have asked Connie about. 
Yeah. I mean, she probably saw Steven and was like, yeah, he's the right age. Yeah. <laughs> no alarm bells or here. Connie lied. She said, yeah, Steven's a kid my age. He goes to a school somewhere. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Very, very true. Um. So, yeah, she probably immediately lied to, to her. <laughs> Fair. I, I accept this. Uh, what the <laughs> fuck is this outfit that Greg is wearing? <laughs> what? I... I don't know, but also like he's 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 doing okay with it. Yeah. Like it's not the worst thing he's wearing. It's worn. just weird that he's wearing like basically an outfit to go bicycling in when I don't think he owns one. <laughs> and also he's here for his kid's birthday. <laughs> yeah. Love him. I'm a big fan of him. Can do no wrong. <laughs> we we are, we are we are Greg stands on this Fashion podcast. Wise. We we have Fashion wise. Yeah, we have uh we have big we have Greg put Greg at, at the top of every dad and dilf list that we've put on the internet. Oh. Um <laughs> but also it's just weird. <laughs> like this outfit that implies a physical activity that he's not doing actively. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so weird. No, I I love how he's like um <laughs> Uh, he's kind of like the dude. Yeah. Yeah. I can you know, see like, the big Lebowski. Like he just kind of rolls up and whatever. And you're like, yeah, sure. I guess that's, <laughs> that's an outfit. That's true. That's a, that's a, that's a fair comparison. <laughs> um, it could also have just been what was clean. That is also right. true. Maybe he, maybe he got off a ship. Maybe that's what he wears when he's like at the car wash, you know? Yeah. Uh, so maybe he got off a shift, grabbed Connie, then came over. Um, you would think at this point sure. with how many terrible, like what happened the last birthday uh, with the with the crown and cape, they they would have just retired that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, nothing good is coming from this crown and cape anymore. <laughs> yeah. Although maybe Steven, like, hasn't retired it because, like, it's something that maybe he thinks that his dad likes or something like that. Yeah, yeah maybe. Uh, I do love um, the, the big reveal in the episode when he, like, runs to around the corner of the barn and is like uh, uh, like he like goes back to normal and he's like I just have to keep this up a little while longer like for the rest of my life but no one will ever know and then um, immediately pans over to Amethyst and Greg and they're just like watching <laughs> yeah they're so good with visual fun- gags like that it's so funny I was like oh. <laughs> got him <laughs> uh what what do we think that Amethyst and Greg were actually up to back here, August? <laughs> I think they had like a um like a pinata or something, right? Like were they about to like string up like, the next activity? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, they did look like they were actively like. I don't think it was one of those things where they they put on the the pretense of of 
playing with a pinata uh, for Steven's sake because it like he surprised them. That's true. But at the same time, it's like, why are you just hiding and playing with a pinata? <laughs> Like what are what are what are your true intentions here? Oh, do you are is there like a hanky panky there? Oh, uh, yeah, it's our it's our general belief that Greg and Amethyst have indeed fucked. Uh, How old is Amethyst? Amethyst is oh wait, yeah, I mean, she's like five thousand years old. <laughs> yeah, thousands of years old. Uh, she's such a little like punky teenager to me. We uh. Because, like, in the episode, what's that episode uh, titled? Uh, there's an episode where, I don't yeah, remember. there's a previous episode where uh, Greg has to uh, clear out his storage unit, and then it's implied that he and Amethyst used to hang out a whole lot, and then something happened between them. And it's very heavily implied oh. that they hit, like, the, the way that they're framing it is, like, kind of like an X's vibe. A little weird. Also... Also, Amethyst explicitly said, don't worry, Greg, I've seen your junk before. Yes, that's true. Uh, We also, we also on, like, on this podcast, we believe firmly that Amethyst fucks, uh, to the point that we're pretty sure Amethyst is, in fact, uh, Onion's dad. (laughs) Onion's Uh, real dad. uh, Uh, Oh, no. Because you cannot convince us that uh, Vidalia and Amethyst have not hooked up. That is <laughs> wow. Uh, it explains a lot more about Onion than like Yellowtail being his actual father. So, yep. Uh, welcome I, to our weird podcast. Hurts. Sorry, you agreed to come on. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just like rethinking so much about this show. I have to like watch so much more of it. So I've only I've I've seen so many episodes in passing that I haven't really. Um, like had the the chance to like follow threads like that. So now I'm like, oh God, I have so much more to watch. <laughs> uh uh I like that uh the, the the best thing is when Steven comes out and he's like older and he's it's just Zach using his real voice. Zach's not lowering his voice, <laughs> he's just putting his voice as normal pitch. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good touch. I also I also deeply enjoy that Steven canonically doesn't have a neck. <laughs> like it's not yeah. just a stylistic choice. Like he's just built like someone who does not have much of a neck. Yeah, they're like your neck. And he's, what's what's different about it? You have one. <laughs> it's funny because they'll keep basically this like very similar like when we get to Steven Universe future and we have the time jump to where he's like a legit teenager. Uh, Steven looks very similar to how he is when he's all stretched out like this. Mm. So they keep like, it's, they definitely sort of like use that as an information, I think for that. Uh, I like Garnet being the ultimate fucking wingman here. Garnet knows what the fuck is up. (laughs) Yeah. I had the exact same thing in my notes. Um, I, I do think it's very interesting how Garnet is so perceptive to Stevens, uh, to Stevens' emotions, to the you know to the point where she's more cognizant of how he's feeling than he is. Mm-hmm. Um, which I mean, I guess we haven't really seen her be super like 
empathic or anything, but, you know, Stephen does have a history of not doing much self-reflection, mm-hmm. uh, and it's interesting to see somebody else be perceptive. Sir, mm. it's interesting it's to, to see somebody else. August is talking to, by the way. <laughs> yeah, sorry. He's <laughs> he's being a dickwad. Um, but, you know, it's interesting to see somebody else being perceptive of his emotions. And, you know, again, Garnet's, Garnet's got the big mom energy, this, you know, this set of episodes. So, uh, the Stephen, like Stephen melting when the girl you like says, I'm glad we're going to grow up. We're going to be able to grow up together. Uh, is just a fucking mood, just melting into a baby. I wish I could do that every day. <laughs> I, I love how Steven just assumes that uh, that he's going to be married to Connie right. when she becomes president. Like, and I don't think he even realizes what he's saying. He just assumes that they're going to be together that long. It is very cute because like a number of because uh, in the future, somebody's going to call Connie his girlfriend. He's like, she's not my girlfriend. Like, he's like, oh, she's not, bro. Weird. Uh <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's it's very good i again you know steven is just so not self-aware when it comes to his own emotions even though he's he's very perceptive with other people i also f- it's i also find it interesting that sort of like the the crux the, the lesson air quotes of this episode is like coming from amethyst of like being careful with your like being careful how you present yourself and not in the like being careful how you present yourself because of how other people will perceive you. It's like, be careful about how you present yourself. Uh, like, so you're staying true to yourself. Like it's a very, it's very good physical metaphor for that. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, it is, it is interesting that that's coming from amethyst, the person who has historically had such a poor relationship with her body Mm -hmm. Uh, and the person who historically is the most willing to change herself physically, like for fuck's sake, she's a car seat. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> fucked me up, man. I, I was literally sitting like, there watching this episode with Shannon and uh, Shannon goes, why does he have a car seat? Does he still just have that around from when uh, Stephen was a baby? Uh, and then she walked out of the room when Amethyst talked, and I paused <laughs> it and rewound it. I'm like, we found out where Steve, where Greg got the the car seat, and then I played that for. Her. She's like, oh god. <laughs> yeah, Anya literally, Anya and I literally had almost the exact same interaction because Anya was like, where did he get the car seat? And I was like, I bet he just kept it because he's a hoarder. And then the the reveal happened, and we were both like, holy shit. <laughs> What the fuck? And it's funny, when I went back and watched it the second time, it's very clearly a face, and you just don't notice it because you're focusing on the baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, oh my god. It's it's so bad, but it's so good. But, you know, again, Amethyst is the kind of person who just, like, has such a blasé relationship with her physical form, mm-hmm. will change it at the drop of a hat, like has function like function based rather than aesthetic like yeah and so it's interesting that that's coming from amethyst although like that could also represent some of her character growth still because you know we had her with her last regeneration like she actually took some time 
to to stop and think about it and think about what she wanted to be. And so, yeah, it, it's just interesting all around. Yeah. For sure. And also, it's one of those things where Amethyst is so used to changing her shape that she's more or less, like, conditioned for it better than, say, Steven is, if you're thinking about it in a physical sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, it does, it, like... Yeah, it, it, it's interesting that it's coming from, particularly from her, uh, mm-hmm. on multiple levels, so. Unrelated, though, I still just want to to point out how fucking cute Garnet trying to pacify baby Stephen is. <laughs> I, also, like, I also like it reiterating that, yeah, the Crystal Gems, they didn't raise Stephen. They, like, Stephen being in the care of the Crystal Gems is a new thing. Uh, relatively yeah. in his life, and Greg did the bulk the bulk of raising this fucking child. Yeah, like I loved Pearl's reaction. I loved Garnet, like trying to pay, play three eyed peekaboo with him, and <laughs> like just giving up immediately. Three eyed peekaboo is going to be my midwestern emo band. <laughs> <laughs> Although, like, I don't know, like. Gems almost certainly don't have a concept of babies. Oh, they super do not. So we're going to we're going to get a flashback episode of like, I think it's literally called three gems and a baby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it goes about as good yeah, as you so, think it does. Perfect. So, I mean, you know, it it makes sense that the gems are having these kinds of reactions. And also Pearl's reaction is just like fucking mood. I don't know what to do. With a fucking baby, what the hell? Relatable. Um, but yeah, that was that was just such a cute scene. And again, it's just I love Garnet in these episodes. I love how like playful she's become with Steven and how she's become more open with her affection for him and Yeah. It's just cute. Okay. Alrighty, do we have anything else for Steven's birthday? I don't think so. Uh, I ended with all caps. They're so cute. (laughs) They are. These two. They're adorable. (laughs) I love them. Uh, We did have a couple of comments comments and stuff from our Discord. You too can join our Discord and talk about Steven Universe or scream into the void or talk about the other 800 podcasts that we do. Uh, Link is out in the description of the podcast. Um, Particularly, we had... uh, Izzy talking about oh hold on a second I'm doing this in the wrong order so uh, Philo uh, asked uh, it's Sapphire's future is, is Sapphire future vision just worse than Garnet's uh, does she not see Garnet coming or is she just like nah that'll never happen and pushes it down uh, and then also they were like yay body horror is here again <laughs> body horror it never leaves <laughs> Steven Universe um, yeah I think what I think what this is supposed to show is like. Because Garnet talks about, when she talks about her future vision, like, she, it's her actual perceptions of the world, her, um, her, like, way she interacts with the world affects the way that she, like, looks at the the, the flow of time. And I think that's true here with uh, Sapphire. She's never been, like, how can you even look at different possibilities when you've only been taught the one thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, like, didn't Garnet mention that, like, the way that she sees things 
there are, there are other currents and and you know other paths and so like it may be one of those things where that current was very small and so not worth even paying attention right. to but now that she's she's had a broader perception she looks at those different things now mm-hmm. yes um easy yeah. ass oh and like, on, sorry um i was just going to say like you know, again, I feel like she's she's in a situation where she just, like, accepts her lot in life and doesn't see any point in, like, hanging, uh, hanging any uh, hopes on it changing. It just seems like everything, you know, everything is inevitable and there's no point in looking at change because it's not going to happen. Yeah. It does seem that, that that's a, like, um, like... While Ruby's sort of like consistent character flaws that she she doesn't value herself very very highly, like Sapphire's kind of character flaw is that she she views things as inevitable, kind of like gets stuck in a rut pretty easily when it comes to her future vision because she does the same thing in Keystone Motel. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't I hadn't thought about that, but you're you're totally right. Uh, Izzy asks an aesthetic question, uh, is Garnet's cotton candy look, uh, when she first fuse cute or all caps cute? <laughs> all caps cute. Definitely. Uh, I also think that it's, it's a really great, uh, it's a really great instance of, like, storytelling through character design because it's, like, showing that they're, like, not necessarily fully integrated like their relationship isn't like fully gelled because there's still like clearly disparate parts uh to garnet whereas you know later on garnet gets a much more cohesive character design as they've you know ostensibly worked out things in their relationship Mm -hmm. Yeah, they they fit together, but they don't function together. Mm-hmm. Yet. Um, and then we have Shannon uh, saying, "Can we talk about how uh, this is Jan? Can we talk about how gross uh, Rose's reaction to Garnet is uh, is intentional by the writers?" Uh, Shannon goes on to say, "It feels very much like she's not actually happy about Garnet as a fusion, but more happy about collecting another feather in her rebellion cap." Uh, in sort of like a gross ally way of somebody collecting like a new marginalized person uh, to her friend group to show how woke she is. Uh, And I have... (laughs) Weirdly, weirdly is like number one Rose hater on this show. I did not get that vibe at all. Yeah, I think... Like... Because like to me, it feels like... I guess they could have they could have made the language a little bit more clear because when I think Rose is like oh it doesn't like matter how I feel how you feel is bound to be much more interesting is a weird way to phrase that thing uh, probably it, they could have made it a little bit more clear by saying like would be is much more important something like that um, but they probably mm-hmm. made that choice because Rose is still pretty bad at this thing at that point in time. Um, she is not the care at this point. Rose is not the charismatic leader of the crystal gems. Um, 
which I think is an interesting thing to remember, too, in the timeline for this is like this is before Rose had a big friend group. She's just her and Pearl at this point. She isn't. They're just trying to get the gems gems off Earth, period. Uh, not mm-hmm. uh, not quote unquote like fighting for not fighting for the earth and the right for gems to be who they are uh in garnet is a big change to that uh because after that after meeting garnet the sort of the mission statement changes from just being we want to save the earth to like we want we want to save the earth because it's a place where gems can be very true about themselves Uh, and Mm -hmm. we'll get a little bit more detail in that when we get to the question um but yeah. yeah, I think um, if if anything with with Rose's answer, the way I interpreted it was rushed in that way that like they are like still fighting and you know an, an overarching fight, and there's like a very like present physical mm-hmm. risk. So she was like, "Yes, positivity, support. Here you go. I'm very busy." Um, but after hearing like the critique and the question, um, I can also see it as like that overzealous like parent who's trying to be supportive, mm-hmm. doesn't know the right thing to say, is trying to say something positive, and like doesn't know like you know maybe isn't equipped to handle it. But they're just like, no, you're perfect. You're perfect the way you are. Love is the answer. Everything is good. Yeah, I think I think the mm-hmm. writers could certainly because I can see. I can see where the interpretation is coming from, especially how, like, much of a shithead we've seen Rose be up until this point. Um, Rose has done, at this point in the series, Rose has done some some real shitty things, and we're going to see far more shitty things that Rose does as the the series goes along. And I think they they could have made the the language a little bit clearer to get that point across, but I don't think that's what they're intending to do. I think they're trying to intend for, like, Rose to be like legitimately supportive here. Yeah, I I tend to agree um because I think if she were if she had been trying to be manipulative, she wouldn't have reframed it as how do you feel about it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because, like, when they want to make Rose look bad, they're very clear about making Rose look bad, I feel like. So. Um, okay. Alrighty. Well, uh, thank you for coming on to the show uh, with us, Erica. Uh, we really enjoyed having you on. Oh, yeah. This was great. Yeah, thank you for having me. And it's definitely, like, rekindled my my interest in Steven universe is like I said, I've seen a lot of episodes here and there, but never done like a deep dive. Um, so I think that's going to be in my, my, uh, my, 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 my pretty immediate future. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, go ahead. Uh, can you hit us with your socials and your upcoming dates and all that jazz one more time? Yeah, you can find me at Twitter um, or on Twitter at Erica wrestles. Same on Instagram. I think there's an underscore in there somewhere, but if you search Erica Russell's, I will come up. Um, and I have a show this weekend in Worcester, Worcester, Massachusetts, um, for WWR Plus, 
women's wrestling revolution plus very hard to say um and you can there's tickets still available if you're in the area in massachusetts or you can watch it on independentwrestling.tv um that's my next show my 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 only one this weekend and then obviously july 10th i have paris is bumping to solid gold um so definitely check those two events out if you're interested in me wrestling um pageantry ballroom um especially for paris's bumping not so much wwr plus <laughs> yeah if you're if you're a person who's not terribly interested like if you're like vaguely interested in wrestling but you want to see like a very in, like you want to see a very interesting presentation of wrestling i think paris and bumping is going to be like a fairly unique presentation of the form uh absolutely definitely the show for um newcomers um to to wrestling who kind of want some uh, like a I say a soft intro but um if you love queers, come on down. We're doing the damn it's thing. True. Like just if you like queer artists doing their thing, then you know, tune in to Paris's bumping. Exactly. <laughs> uh we've somehow we've also gotten other tabletop RPG podcasters to to sponsor a number of the other <laughs> other matches on the card as well yes <laughs> so, <laughs> perfect. Uh, so that's been that's been fun watching uh watching all the people i i've like we're friends with on the internet all just slowly start start sponsoring these matches <laughs> that's that's called community, mm-hmm. baby. We love yeah. to see it. We need to get we hopefully we can we this can can foster more more interactions between queer independent wrestling and queer independent tabletop role playing games. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot more crossover in in, in things there. <laughs> there is a huge huge market there. I'm I'm pretty <laughs> sure. And I think um if anybody is interested in um a wrestling slash tabletop game um i don't know even know how you would describe it but um i know the flying v theater did a um uh a, a playthrough a presentation i'm not sure what you would call it unfortunately um but it is like a wrestling tabletop um so flying v theater did did that and you can look them up on the internet um if you're looking for some more tabletop slash wrestling content sounds good Sounds good. I'm actually going to check oh, yeah. that out. Um, you can find me on the internet at Roomware Pod. You can check out the other podcast that I'm on, The Room Where It Happened, which is the actual, that's the, I just use their, I camp out in their Twitter because uh, I don't have one of my own. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can check that out at Room, or The Room Where It Happened, uh, actual play podcast. Currently, we're doing, uh, uh, like a space western set in space Appalachia. If you like the ideas of like fighting back against uh, like government government exploitation and also robots having feelings, check it out. Uh, you can also listen to me and August uh, on another tabletop game that we play called Dumb Kids Playing Hero, an Animorphs inspired actual play podcast. Um, and those uh, come out on Monday and Friday, respectively. Uh, August? Uh, yes. So I've been August. You can still find me on Twitter at HarpyDora. You can find uh, the other other 
podcast I'm on at FTL cast on Twitter, yet another actual play. Um, and, uh, yeah. Uh, that's it for me. And, uh, and check out the other groups in the, uh, standing stones podcasting network, uh, Outside of the three actual play podcasts we just listed, uh, there's also, check out our friends Danielle and Jade on the Escafil Files. They're basically doing a book club for uh, for the Animorphs. Uh, so if you like the Animorphs, go there. I did my Has my episode come out yet? Do you know? I was on there. I've never, even though I'm on Animorphs Inspired, the actual play podcast, I've never read an Animorphs book and I refuse to read one, but I was on the Escafil Files. I did not read a book. I just read the Wikipedia page. It's a good time. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. So, um, all right. Well, next time we're going to be covering, this is going to be the end of season two next time. Uh, we're going to be coming, covering the last three episodes of season two, 63, 67, and 68, 66, 67, and 68. God damn it. Uh, it could have been great message received and log date seven fifteen two. Um, so come and check us out on that should be, should be a fun time. Uh, Erica, would you like to like to send us home? <laughs> Um, yeah, what is, did you say you have a specific outro? What oh, yes, was it? Uh, be like <laughs> Cookie Cat and leave your family behind. That's right, that's right, that's okay. Um, alright everybody, thanks for joining us. Um, Brian, August, thank you for having me. And to everybody out there listening, be like Cookie Cat and leave your family behind. Peace. Peace. <laughs> did I add behind? <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't remember if I was supposed to say behind. Yeah. Or not. <laughs> uh.